0: Good morning, good morning. Good to see you today. As Robert mentioned, I'm Kendall, one of our pastors and leaders here. Thank you, Jason. And man, aren't we thankful to live in San Diego where it's not 110 degrees right now like the rest of the country. Look at your neighbor and say, you made the right decision. You live in San Diego. Look at your other neighbor and say, go Padres. I know I'm wearing Dodgers colors, but I'm, I'm a Padres fan. Um, I always, as I'm preaching and God gives me a, a, maybe a title or, or a theme to communicate on, I'm always looking at current events, kind of how does this relate to what's going on in the world, and I couldn't help but notice this week the rebranding of Twitter, Okay. Any Twitter users in the room? There's not many in San Diego I found. It's, it's okay, a couple of us, more of a Bay Area thing. Um, but uh, the rebranding of Twitter, here's the little logo for the company Twitter, this cute little blue bird. People are very attached to it. They've been tweeting for 15 to 20 years. And it was rebranded as this other company called X. Sounds a lot like the bad guys company in a James Bond movie, you know? Um, X. And uh, it's, it's kind of been all over the business news and moving from that friendly bird to maybe something a little more abstract and artistic. Elon Musk's vision for the company is for it to be the everything app. It's going to have everything you need on there on X. And they, they actually went so far with the rebranding to do kind of a publicity stunt. So they put this big X on top of a building in the Bay Area in downtown San Francisco. The reason I like this is because if you squint and turn your head this way, it kind of looks like a cross, which I'd really love to put on a building in downtown San Francisco personally. But unfortunately, they left it on all night. They didn't turn it off. And so the guy in the condo across the street (laughs) started, you know, he started tweeting or x or whatever it's called now. And basically, they they had to take it down. So it's down now because they didn't think about the consequences of shining a light in someone's uh, condo for the next, you know, 24 hours a day but it's gotten me thinking about branding. Here's the definition of the word branding by Seth Godin, a marketing expert. A brand is a set of expectations, memories, stories, and relationships that taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another. It's related to the logo and design of a company, but it's actually much more. It reflects kind of the ethos of the organization. Remember expectations, memories, stories, relationships, but it's often depicted visually. You can think of the, the recent rebranding of Facebook to Meta, right? they rebranded their company. Now they're, they're taking over the metaverse. They're not Facebook anymore. Uh, Petco here in San Diego recently rebranded to from a pet store to a health and wellness company for animals. That didn't resonate with me so much, but I don't know, maybe, maybe that interests you. Um, Dunkin' recently dropped the word donuts from their brand. They are now just Dunkin'. I don't know what you're Dunkin' if you're not Dunkin' Donuts, but you're Dunkin' something. So uh, that was only for the 10 o'clock, so I didn't say that in the 8.30. Um, and I think of a couple unsuccessful rebrands that have happened recently. They tried to take the phrase, I love New York, and rebrand it as, we love New York. Now, if you know any New Yorkers, they are fiercely independent, so they immediately pushed back on that. It wanted nothing to do with the we. It was all I. (laughs) I thought that was interesting. Uh, Kia, they recently rebranded and done a bunch of stuff with their big car company, but the logo got a little off, and so it looks like a K-N. Have you seen this? And you can actually look on Google Trends where it says, what is a KN car? People keep searching. They can't figure out it's a Kia. And then Hershey's uh, rebranded. They took the wrapper off the Hershey Kiss and their logo, and it looked like a pile of something else. So that was, a, that was a mistake that they made. But as we think about rebranding, how about the rebranding of our faith? How about the rebranding of the church? You know, if if a brand is a set of experiences, expectations, memories, stories, and relationships that accounts for someone's decision, whether or not they're going to do something, I think our brand is pretty important. Amen? And like I said, a brand is so much more than a color palette or a logo. So I'm not proposing today that we have a new logo for all people's church or we come up with some new name like Millennium Church or something like that. I don't have a cooler name than All Peoples. I think All Peoples is pretty cool anyway. But this isn't about a color scheme or color palette or a font package. This is about something so much more, something that God is doing in the church where he wants to restore, he wants to rebrand, he wants to renew so that we can be all that he has called us to be, amen? So today I wanna speak to you from the subject, Rebranding the Church rebranding the church. And really, really one of my goals today is to celebrate, to celebrate the work of God in this church and the work of God in this people because he's doing so much more than we know. Uh, let's look at the first brand. As terms of Christians, what were, what were we known for? What were followers of Christ known for? Well, I already said it, but it's in Acts, Acts chapter 11, verse 26. We can see it here. This is what the followers of Jesus were known for. This was their brand in ancient times. Uh, speaking of Paul, when they had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, his disciples, his learners, they were first called Christians. That word Christians, we reflected the image of Christ. We reflected the image of Jesus. We took on that moniker. We took on that brand. And I think of, of so many other things that God wants the church to be. I spoke a couple of weeks ago on the subject of agape, of agape love. I think God wants his church to be associated with unconditional agape love. I think God wants his church to be associated with, with unity. And coming together. I think God wants his church to be associated with healing and, and and so many different things. But, you know, when you think about that, you can think of that's not always the story that we see and not always the story that we tell about the church. It's really easy because of, because of maybe how the last couple years have been, maybe just the fallenness of man to believe different lies, to believe different lies about the church. Three lies, I believe, it's very easy for us to fall into these days, and there's kind of a gravitational pull towards this mindset in our culture about God and the church. Number one, God is losing. You know, we see headlines, we see violence, we see pain, we see suffering, and it's just easy to think like evil is winning and God is losing. You know, maybe you've just felt exasperated and wanted to throw your hands up and just kind of falling into that mindset. Another thing that we can fall into is that God is moving. He's moving somewhere, but it's not here. <laughs> and and we kind of see, hear different stories of, man, maybe God showed up at this university, or God showed up in this country, or he touched this person's life that was really desperate, but it's definitely not happening in my backyard. It's easy to fall into that lie. And And maybe another lie we can believe is, as, as God's people is that, yeah, there's a lot of problems in the world, but we don't have any power to solve them, right? You see the big issues in our city, you see the big issues in our culture, and you're just like, what, what can we do, right? It's easy, it's easy to fall into fatalism. And um, I'm just reminded of the challenges we've had the last couple years. In March of 2020, I woke up in the middle of the night with a vision, and this vision kind of messed with me because uh, I was raised Methodist. And as a Methodist, the one thing you could not do was play cards. Like, you could do basically anything you wanted, but you could not play cards. And so I was across a table with Jesus playing cards. And Jesus had a deck of cards. And he took a deck of cards, and he cut it, and he shuffled it. Oh yeah. And I mean, thank you for that, brother. And I immediately... I immediately understood two things, that the church was about to be pruned and the leaders of the church were about to be shuffled. We've seen that. We've seen that the last couple years. We've seen real challenges in the church, denominational splits, uh, moral failures, leadership crisis, shrinking attendance, a decline in charitable giving, the pressure of mental health, politics, the economy. And I think all of this has contributed to our expectations, our memories, our stories, our relationships, our brand of what we promise. Sometimes I feel a little like Nehemiah, you know, walking around the, the walls of Jerusalem saying, like, do you guys know what this could be? Like this is meant to be glorious. But but then you see what is? Well, every brand has promises. And as the people of God, we have promises too. Amen? We have promises too. And I just want to, as we talk about rebranding the church today, there's so many promises, so many things God has spoken, but I just want to point out three things for us as a people this morning that I felt that God was highlighting to me. Number one, just the promise of expansion, that God is moving and he is growing his kingdom. Number two, the promise of encounters, that God is encountering people and changing their lives. And he's doing it here and San Diego. And number three, just our call to respond to all that and the promise that God has for us to engage, just to engage our culture, that we are not powerless, but God wants to use us to transform the world around us. Amen? Amen. And so let's talk about that together because that's what I believe our brand is called to be in the coming days. First of all, expansion. Many times when God speaks about his kingdom, when Jesus would speak about the kingdom, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, he would describe it as a seed that would grow. So here's one example, a seed that would grow. Mark chapter four in the message version. Then Jesus said, God's kingdom is like a seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. That sounds like something I would do. Actually, I did that with a, my child's sunflower plant a couple of weeks ago, but then it sprouted and it grew. The seed sprouts and grow. See, I was living a parable the seed sprouts and grows. He has no idea how it happens. The earth does all this without his help. First, a green stem of grass, then a bud, and then ripened grain. When the grain is fully formed, he reaps harvest time. Now, God starts things in our life really small, like a seed. As we plant them, as we steward them, as we trust him and his sovereign purposes and his sovereign plan, it's harvest time. Uh, Joe Rhodes and Robert and I had a great Opportunity a couple weeks ago to meet with a church leader from the country of Ethiopia. And although in world history, Ethiopia had had a Christian uh, population, that is not a part of the world now that is majority Christian. And so we were interested in hearing, you know, what was going on in that country. And we were amazed. Ricky Valdez had actually been there to visit him. And this is the things that we'd learned we'd learned about a a building that God had given him where he was training and housing leaders all over North Africa. And discipling them on how to multiply the kingdom of God under great persecution. Uh, we, he had some statistics on his movement um, that he led. He said that he had thousands of discovery Bible studies. So these are, these are people that don't follow God yet that are just open in the Bible to learn about him. And then hundreds of house churches. So those discovery Bible studies that had become a church because the people have accepted Jesus. And then in their church movement, their church family, they said they were recording currently five baptisms a day just in their own little stream. And God had just blessed them. And they were ministering to the poor and and they were transforming their region. And you know what? I needed that meeting, right? Like maybe we can help that guy a little bit, but I needed that encouragement. And because I know I needed that, I want to encourage you for a minute because I want you to know about how the church is growing around the world. Regardless of what you see on the news, God's kingdom is expanding. Three things I want you to know about this. Number one, God is pouring out his spirit. You know, Acts chapter two, verse 17, there's this promise that we have when the Holy Spirit came to the earth on Pentecost that God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And what we're seeing around the world is how churches are growing is by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's from people, it's from families, it's from individuals that have said, hey, I can't do this in my own strength, so I'm going to rely on the power of God. I believe in healing. I believe in the supernatural intervention of the Holy Spirit. I believe in God's power. I believe in the spiritual gifts, all the things that we disciple and teach people in, in this church in regards to the Holy Spirit. I believe that God speaks today. Just a stat for you. In 1900... Less than 1 million people around the world identified this way. Less than 1 million people around the world would say, I'm Pentecostal or I'm charismatic or I believe in the the move of the Holy Spirit happening in my life and in the world. Today, oh, sorry, uh, by 2050, that number will top 1 billion. So 1 million to 1 billion, that's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of expansion. God's doing something in our generation The church is growing, actually, around the world. It's growing most in the global south, below the equator. Um, One stat I read from Christian Today, just a publication. The church has seen dramatic and explosive growth in Asia, Africa, and South America. The growth of the African church in particular is jaw-dropping. In 1900, there were fewer than 9 million Christians in Africa. Now there are 541 million. In the last 15 years alone, the church in Africa has seen a 51% increase, which works out on average to around 33,000 people either becoming Christians or being born into Christian families each day in Africa alone. You might not know this, but the, the Christian population of Vietnam has gone up 300% in the last 10 years. So God's moving around the world. that's not, not always what we're looking and this was interesting to me as I started to look at these stats. God is spreading out Christians. He's spreading out Christians all around the world. Some of the transitions, some of the, the movements of people that we've seen, this has been a time of world history where a lot of people have been moving around for different reasons, God's spreading out Christians. In 1900, 95% of Christians lived in a country that was a Christian country. It was majority Christian. Okay? Okay. Now, that number fallen to 53%. In 2050, most Christians around the world will live in non-majority Christian nations. So why is God doing that? Well, he wants his gospel of the kingdom to be preached as a testimony of all nations, so the end will come. Amen? He's doing something behind the scenes. God is moving. His kingdom is expanding, and there's something that's going on in the world so much more. And this, is, this is important but it is actually so much more significant than an American election cycle. It is so much more significant than the US interest rate. It is so much more significant than the value of a dollar, right? This is the kingdom of God expanding for his eternal purposes. Back to Mark four, verse 30, how can we picture God's kingdom? What kind of a story can we use? It's like an acorn. When it lands on the ground, it's quite small as seeds go, yet once it's planted, it grows into a huge oak tree with thick branches, eagle's nest in it. Sometimes I like to go on Google Maps and look at the street view. You guys ever do this? Look at my house, see what the latest picture is. And what all, I actually looked at my parents' house the other day and my dad was standing in the front yard. It was kind of fun. Hey, dad. Um, so I, I look at my house and what I noticed is my palm trees. I have these two little queen palms in my front yard. And I notice when I look at the picture, they're a certain height. And then I go outside and I see that they're much higher. And then I have the thought, I didn't see those grow. Well, it happens slowly over time. Like this scripture, it's like an acorn. When it lands on the ground, it's quite small as seeds go. Yet once it's planted, it grows into a huge oak tree. It really reminds me of the story of all people's church. You know, there's different ones that moved here 2007, 2008, to plant this church, to establish a local church in San Diego called All People's Church. And, you know, we went through that journey. But from the very beginning, part of our calling, part of our dream was to plant other churches, which was actually a very far-fetched dream because I didn't know this at the time, but 80% of church plants fail. And then a higher percentage of those churches will probably plant another church So the idea that we were going to move somewhere and plant a church successfully that was going to plant other churches was like kind of a miracle idea. And it took us a while, but in 2015, as the Lord was working, we were able to send out our first church plant. I have a picture here of of Jonathan Lear preaching at the very first gathering of all people's Tijuana. Jonathan's hair was a little longer back then, as you might see. Um, I'm just making fun of Jonathan because he's not here, but uh, anyway, uh, this was in a rented salon just in the plias community of San Diego that was launched after a short-term mission trip. Am I remembering that right, Robert? It was a short-term trip that we launched that. It's amazing, okay? So you think about that, 2015, okay, we were so excited going down there and serving and seeing God move and, you know, it was beautiful. And, and then we look at today, remember that acorn that just keeps growing? So now let's, now let's look at 2023, just the state of all peoples global around the world. All of those places represent gatherings or people or teams where people have been sent out to disciple other people. That's pretty amazing. So we, we've got from San Diego here, there's a little color code here. You know, the different yellow ones are actually Sunday congregations, like churches that are meeting like this. They're gathering for preaching and teaching and worship. You know, the ones in white, they might be more of a microchurch or discipleship group or something like that. But these are all teams that have been sent out from this church. Right here, teams from San Diego. You can see the years right there. And then the blue represents churches that plant churches. So then we see all people's Tijuana has now had four works that have been sent out of Tijuana, real nearby to North Africa. Right? And then... Teams from Stellenbosch, South Africa that have been associated or adopted, and then teams coming soon. I think that's pretty amazing, and I think we should thank God for that. Um, And in addition to thanking God, um, as the CFO of all peoples, I want to thank you. Because this is very expensive. (laughs) This is very costly. And it costs prayer, it costs time, costs effort, emotion, and energy. And yeah, it's, it costs money. And I also look at that list, and I think that's pretty cool that an investment in this local church has a 20 return, 20X return to 20 other teams that have been sent out across the world. I think that's pretty awesome. Try to find a better investment than that, right? But God's multiplying his kingdom. He's multiplied our finances. He's multiplied our giving. So thank you for doing that this, just this year. We had to raise $195,000 to do our summer mission trips. $195,000. You might say, man, that's a lot of money. Is that worth it? Well, we planted churches from these trips. God has moved and established long-term works. That's part of our strategy. God provided everything. We want to thank you for the above and beyond giving. And then just for you to know, just for our general budget, everything that comes into all peoples, whether it's through giving or salaries or operational costs, 20% of that actually goes to support church planning. And so we just want to thank you for being a church that supports what God is doing around the world because his kingdom is expanding. And there might be days that you don't feel like you're part of that, but you are. And we want to celebrate, just with a quick video, Uh, Mike and Brett and a couple of us were able to pull this video together just celebrating what God did this summer through our giving and our going. So let's check that out.
1: Hello,
2: my name is Trevor Tillman. My name is Skylar Marhaney.
3: My name is Isaac Laughlin.
2: My name is Daniel.
3: Hey, my name is Chloe, and this summer I got the opportunity to go to South Africa to visit our churches there.
4: So part of SOT at the end of the 10-month discipleship is you got to go overseas on a mission trip. And I had really no expectations on what to expect when I got there. Um, it's amazing on how God just worked through me to put love on those people that I had no idea it even
2: existed.
1: I went to the Middle East this summer and God
2: did an amazing work in me. Uh, This past March I had the opportunity to go to Turkey uh, shortly after the earthquake. There was a lot of things
1: in my heart that I didn't realize was in my heart when I got there, a lot of baggage, and as I was there, my heart was moved by the people that loved me really well. They welcomed me into their home, they served me really well, to the point that I wanna go back and serve that group of people.
2: So yeah, through this trip, uh, God really shook me out of my comfort zone and um, just breathed new life into my faith, really. God um, kinda gave me a a piece of his heart for the people in Turkey and um, really renewed a sense of joy in life and life and walking in obedience um, and faith in Him.
4: The first night I was there, I met two brothers, George and Mohammed. One was a born Christian, one was a born Muslim, and they do homeless outreach in their own city. So I went out with them on the first night, we fed the homeless, ministered to the homeless, and it was just such an amazing story on how their two different born religions or born cultures brought each other together and they worked as a one unit instead of looking at their differences in their religion.
3: One thing that really stuck out to me and how God ministered to me My husband and I went to eat one night and we got to pray with our waiter and ask him, you know, what's going on in your life? What can we pray for you about? He just kind of said, I'm having some marriage problems. Prayer for that would be great. So we prayed for him, came back a few days later and asked a few deeper questions and ultimately asked, hey, can we do some marriage counseling actually with you and your wife before we leave? And they agreed. So we went to dinner with them uh, before we left. And when they came in, they hadn't spoken to each other in eight days. Uh, they wouldn't even look at each other in the eye. They just there was so much tension um, at that dinner table. At the end of the dinner, they we just encouraged them and they looked at each other and they said, "I love you for the first time in months. And when that happened in that moment, it was like a spiritual wall was broken. It was like healing was beginning, and God was just reminding me on that trip that it doesn't matter if you show up for two weeks, It doesn't matter if you move, I can move in a moment if you're disobedient. And that just ministered to me so much. We have a team that's like-minded in South Africa, just working for the Kingdom and getting people discipled and uh, of course sharing the Gospel, but getting them discipled and really um, allowing them to just see God's power and restoration that they have, that He has for them in their life.
1: And then we start all talking about Jesus and then I share my testimony with Him and He just starts weeping, Ask can we pray for Him? He goes, yes, and although he grew up Muslim, he uh, walked away from God. And that was his first encounter with God in a very long time.
3: There was a woman with a right eye problem, and I prayed for her with a Spanish speaker, and her eye got a little clearer. And then my friend Kayla Hernandez prayed for her, and she got healed.
2: As a medical doctor there with, you know, just not not having the resources that I typically would have, I, I was in a place where, you know, I had to depend on the Lord. Who
4: knows what has, God has in store for me next year? But just obeying Him is what I have
1: next. And so that's really why I want to go back, is because I've been gifted the gospel, and the gospel has feet. So
2: there are people that are hungry uh, to hear the good news. So as the medical uh, doctor for the team, we were able to uh, set up a, a clinic where people from the, the camp were. Uh, came, came to, to the clinic. One of the patients that we saw had a spinal cord injury, um, which clearly needed a, 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 a surgery that of course we couldn't provide. Um, so we were left to just depending on the Lord and we witnessed um, amazing healing. It just confirmed by um, the physicians a, a, a week later after we left actually, so that was just crazy to see.
4: And I just want to thank everybody that's poured into my life on filling me up with discipleship, with the School of Transformation, our T-Group leaders that I had last year. Just has given me the new courage and uh, motivation to keep going.
3: Thank you so much for supporting us and praying for us. Uh, So we just want to thank everyone for supporting us to get us there for two solid weeks of God just moving. And we can't wait to see what God continues to do from that trip.
1: Hey guys, Ricky and Tiffany here. Just want to say thank you so much for investing in the
2: work here in South Africa.
4: So we feel like we're moving forward in a much stronger position
3: for what God is doing here in Oaxaca. Thank you all.
2: It's not the great
4: suggestion. Jesus gave us the great commission to go into all nations and make disciples. But in an army, it takes every person doing their part. And I want to thank you, church, because we are seeing God move powerfully in the nations. Thank you for every way you sacrifice. So way to go, church. Thank you so much for
2: all you've done. And the best is yet to come.
0: Amen, amen. Are you catching the vision yet? (laughs) Yeah, God's kingdom is expanding. And God wants his church to be a place where people encounter him. This isn't just happening somewhere else in some village or earthquake relief center. God wants to meet with people right here. This is actually what was happening in the early church, Acts chapter five. Just review a quick scripture here. Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. That's very significant. Solomon's portico was the place in John chapter 10 where Jesus said, if you don't believe in me, believe in evidence on the works themselves. Solomon's portico is where Peter gathered the man who had been healed uh, that was unable to walk and he restored him. Then he preached on the power of God in Acts chapter 3 in Solomon's portico. And Solomon's portico is where you see the churches gathered in Acts chapter 5, a public place where people are able to see and experience God's transformative power. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Let's keep going. And many, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women, so they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, by his least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. That's amazing. I need to keep going or else I'm going to preach a whole sermon series on that passage. It's pretty cool. You're growing up in Texas. A lot of people have cattle ranches. You brand, right? And that comes from a fire, something that's searing hot, right? And to me, that speaks of an encounter with God. Like God sears our hearts and he brands us with his image. He brands us with his power. He brands us with his love and it changes us forever. We have the kingdom that is expanding. We have a the encounters with God, but then you know there's the call to keep engaging. You know, Jesus put it really simple. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And just as we're saying thank you, and wow, this, what, what amazing things the Lord has done around the world as we stop to look and celebrate. There's just also the opportunity for so much more. As our church moves into this fall, one of our big opportunities is to continue the Journey of the Light Project. The Light Project is our uh, spiritual journey that we've been on, becoming a light to the nations, to the city, and to generations that culminates in the building of a new building on church-owned land on Highway 8 and College Avenue right across from San Diego State. And we have some important dates coming up. We want to ask you to pray for it and just engage in prayer. Um, they're going to be right behind me on the screen here, uh, Monday, August 21st, and Thursday, September 21st. They're both on 21, so it's easy to remember. And please be praying with us. That's one way you can engage with what God is doing by praying for his work in this church that the kingdom would continue to expand in San Diego. Um, another way you can engage in the life of this church and, and maybe one opportunity we have as Christians is rather than to be you know, just people in a building somewhere that most people in a city have no relationship with, we have the opportunity to get out and about town and bless people with God's love. And what I'm so excited about is we have many groups at our church that actually do that. They actually go around our city and they impact people's lives. Here's just a couple of the groups that I was thinking of as I was, I was putting this together. We have groups that celebrate diversity and just pulling people together that are different and building bridges there. We have groups that invest in inner city young men, a very underserved population. Uh, we have five groups that focus on spiritual freedom and addiction recovery. Uh, we have groups training people in parenting. We have groups that go out to the city and pray for people. Our city needs that. We have clubs and schools that we support and, and host. And then we have a single moms group as well. And one of the things you can do to, to be a light in our city is engage with a group of people because we shine brighter together. And you know, this this fall, I'm gonna be leading a prophetic growth group. So there's just different opportunities for you to hop in and connect with different groups so that you can be a part of what God is doing. Another thing we continue to do is, is give. And as we've celebrated um, just the giving that's happened this year and this summer, I also just wanna highlight just a lot of other things this church is able to give to. You know, John Wember, the founder of the Vineyard Movement asked this question, if your church was no longer in its community, would the community ever notice? And I think this community would notice because of everything this church gives. You know, we look at our food distribution outreach, which is growing every month. I was so encouraged. Um, Audrey and Jake had a friend from their gym that actually um, doesn't attend church, but they brought food to give away to our food distribution outreach. It's some kind of like outreach inception. I don't really, it's like we're outreaching for the outreach, but I thought that was really encouraging. Um, We have the Bless Israel Fund that gives to those causes. We have uh, church benevolence is giving to people in need in our community. Uh, Local ministry partnerships with groups like Urban Youth Collaborative and others that we support uh, free counseling we offer to the community, a deacon ministry for our church family. And finally, we've raised tens of thousand dollars for disaster relief this year. This is a generous church, amen? And we have the opportunity to continue to be generous so our city feels and experiences the love of God.